the next big play in generative AI for advertisers will be not only the targeting, not only the titles and thumbnails, but also maybe the entire landing page. Hello, it's Omar Oaks, editor of The Media Leader, and we have a bonus episode for you today. It's an interview from Cannes, where I recently attended the Cannes Lions Ad Festival. Um, if you work in this industry and you've not been to Cannes, you really should. Don't believe the haters. It's incredible. It's like ad tech threw up all over the south of France and, you know, you just won't believe your eyes. Um, you may have, if you're a regular reader of the media uk, um, you may have seen a series of interviews about Cannes Lions that we ran during the week. Um, we also did a deep dive on the Media Lions Award category, um, but we ran interviews with Sir Martin Sorrell, David Jones, Linda Barker from the World Media Group. Um, I also ran around that week in the sweltering heat talking to people I don't usually talk to in the UK, mostly US-based people in media, who are doing interesting things. And one of those is Taboola. This conversation is with Taboola's CEO and co-founder, Adam Singolda. And last time I spoke to Adam was in Cannes four years ago. Um, he's a really thoughtful guy, and he actually introduced me to the famous psychologist, Professor Steven Pinker. Um, that was a really interesting interview because a lot of the discussion, you might remember, around digital media in 2019 was around algorithms and how advertising or media companies need to essentially accept algorithms will always be biased and essentially you just need to put your thumb on the scale towards whatever virtues you want an algorithm to include whether that's you know not pushing teen depression content towards vulnerable teenage girls or allowing racist content to proliferate um, this time at Cannes in 2023 um, there was a lot of discussion about AI which frankly made me roll my eyes at the start of the week but guess what I became a convert there was lots of really interesting discussion about how AI is going to affect media and advertising and won't get too much into it but the biggest aha thing about AI for me and I wonder what you listeners think about this um, is the impact on entry-level people working in this industry specifically um, if AI is going to automate all the low-level stuff that we keep hearing about, um, where will the opportunities be to learn on the job in future? Are people in, working in media going to have to be more qualified than ever, or dare I say it, more connected than ever in order to get a job? We'll see. So anyway, now to my discussion with Adam Singolda. Um, Taboola um, just announced that they're making available generative AI for all of advertisers it works with running campaigns in English. Um, brands can use its generative AI offering to produce content and copy for ad creative, including titles, images, and headlines. So the future is here, everyone. Um, Adam and I talked in Cannes about the impact of AI, um, but also what events like Cannes serve for an international tech company that depends on relationships with quality publishers and what AI means for quality content in general. Um, stick around to the end because he has some very interesting thoughts to say about starting a business and advice for wannabe entrepreneurs. So here's my interview with Adam Singolda. Pleasure to meet you again at Cannes Lions. How's it going? What's your impressions of Cannes in 2023? Um, so, you know, I just arrived. Um, you know, it's, the, it's a proper schlep from New York, but I'm here and I'm excited. It's it's always exciting to be here, mainly not because it's you know it's beautiful and it's fun, but but the main reason is that it's such a rare opportunity to be in person with um, a lot of uh, you know partners, prospects, people you want to do business with, people you're already working with, 
and I think especially in the back of the last maybe two years, you know, um, making it personal is such a big deal, uh, in, in my opinion. And for Tabula, it's actually our theme for the year as a company, you know, make it, making it personal. And why is that? I just feel like, you know, it's the, look, I think, I think we're, we're going to pay and we're, you can't build a culture on Zoom and Google Meets and all those things. And you know, since the pandemic, we haven't been able to see each other as much. We haven't been able to see our partners as much. And um, you know, people tend to underestimate the importance of building those relationships uh, with each other. And I think it also showing empathy to people that might need help and they can now call you. And you know, what is really culture, right? Like a culture is, can I call you on, on when I have an issue on FaceTime and ask and say, hey, this thing is broken, it's not working, can you help? And if I don't feel comfortable doing that because I haven't met you or I haven't met you in many, many times, and at the end of the day, then I, I churn, my experience churns, it's not, gonna, it's not working. So I think being here in person, um, and you know, many, many of us, we, we kind of compare notes, people have 10, 15 meetings a day, you know? So a lot of in person and a lot of rebuilding those connections that are so important. Yeah, so you're so that must be can for you meetings, back to back meetings all day. Um, what I mean, can Lions clearly is important to you in terms of the networking, but also is it a place to do potential deals? I don't want to say do deals, but to do potential deals, like maybe the meeting before the meeting before the deal happens at Can. Does Can still have that that power because everyone's here for you? Yeah, I think I think it's a full funnel kind of. Um, full journey, full funnel kind of um, experience here. You meet people that do serendipity, you know, you, go, you might go to dinner or to an event. Um, and of course, there's so many events, right? So people just go in, go out to many different events and you might stumble upon someone you never met. Um, so you have this, you know, serendipity experience where you just meet people that you may never met or you wanted to meet them. And that's in the beginning. That can turn into, let's follow up when it's, you know, when it's more relaxed back home, um, where, wherever home may be. So that happens. And of course, you know, maybe the most impactful way to take advantage of Ken is more about meeting the people that you already know, like you and I are just doing, because we know each other, but it's easier to do it here. And that happens times 50. Right? So I think that from a almost account management perspective and sustaining and maintaining relationship, it's much, much easier. Um, and I think there's, um, from a new deals perspective, it's more about, I think, serendipity. It's like, I wasn't really planning on that, but I met you. I sat next to you at a dinner, um, I listened to you speaking on the panel, um, and we follow up uh, when we're back home. Yeah, and what do you think about the vibes of Cannes nowadays? Because, you know, um, it's really interesting how we've got the Palais over there, and, you know, we're recording from Taboola's kind of presence at Cannes, and you've got the stunning view from um, your, your, your apartment, by the way, um, at one of the hotels. Um, but way over there is in the Palais, they're talking about creativity, the award winners, the power of creativity. This is the festival of creativity. But yet you step outside the Palais, and all the billboards, everything on the marina, the croisette. The, the the cabanas it's all media media it's all tech tech um does it does it feel strange does it feel like um it's sustainable i mean where do you, where do you see can going as a festival media versus creative i i think you know it's it it has been like that since the beginning of time it's all about art and commerce you know it's it's art and science it's you you have the creativity the beautiful things people are winning awards for different things that they're creating 
And then you have you, you step outside and you have all the distribution channels of how do you bring that great content to people and how do you monetize that in a premium way and how do you build direct-to-consumer relationships so they come to watch and read more. And so you have this loop, you know, this cycle um, that that has been forever, you know, kind of taking place and can evolve into that over time, right? It was the very beginning, you know, um, only the content creation. But over time, as, as, you know, technology companies came about and different platforms and mainly distribution channels, because, you know, content is not queen without its kingdom, you know, and kingdom is the, the people you can reach to watch and be passionate about that content. And then there's the business model behind it. So I think can kind of evolved and morphed into this art and science that makes this um, creativity um, be even bigger the next time we meet. Yeah. And what does it mean for you personally, this whole question? Because um, I've heard it describes um, where, you know, creativity is almost the polar opposite of targeted advertising because the, the more you know about someone the less maybe creative you need to be because you know they're in market to buy a certain product etc etc you know um, Taboola obviously is a recommendation engine for content so do you feel I mean does it feel uncomfortable sometimes when people talk about creativity and kind of like big brand building whereas you're a business that's been built on very well made targeting products I, mean, I I think it's um, it's all part of a mix there's no um, you know one part of this industry that can just sustain itself on its own right so if you think about even brand advertisers and bigger kind of direct-to-consumer brands they want to have um, an awareness vehicle when they can create something beautiful that just sparks your curiosity and then they want to um, create other um, types of content and messages that get you to consider to step one you know one step forward and participate in this brand offerings and products and then you want to have even bottom funnel experiences that people can say I want to buy it this is great and and it's the mix um, that makes it perfect and I think in fact in Cannes what you see this year and maybe even over the last kind of like two three years so much more focus on attribution and quality of meetings like we're here to actually be critical about our time you know are we spending the time here in a way that will allow us to do this, do this again are we getting partnerships happen? Do we understand when the industry is going? What are the trends? Um, so I think it, it not only does it make me feel uncomfortable, it makes me, you know, feel um, why I come to work, uh, if you can call this work, you know, every day, because I, I love my space, you know, the, our publishers and advertisers of different kinds. And I see also Tabula as a company that needs to be able to serve all of those stages, right? We have a video offering, which is about 10% of our business. So if you think about Tabula, we're about one and a half billion dollars in revenue a year. Once Yahoo launches, it's about two and a half billion dollars in revenue. And about 10% of our business is video. These, the, the video portion, these are advertisers who are just buying from Tabula to reach a consumer at that moment when they can just inspire them. So there's no clicks involved. There's no CPC involved. This is just about showing you a message, perhaps at the right time, you know, the right context. You want a publisher you love. You're on a BBC, you're on CNBC, you're on Disney, and a video might um, surface itself in a way that's relevant to you just to get you to, con to just be aware. And then we have the same advertisers, you know, kind of working with us across the entire gamut to get consideration. Like a wafer might say, well, here is a great newsletter for you. Um, you might not be in market to buy a table, but we have this great newsletter. You should buy. Um, you, through Tabula, you might sign up to a newsletter and now you become this long-term friend of Wayfair. And that's a consideration. 
And the bottom one is our e-commerce business, which is about 15% of our business now. And that's about consumers who are saying, we're ready to buy. So I see Tabula as, you know, as, a, as an open web alternative to Google and Facebook kind of representation of, of journalism and, and publishers as a company that needs to be able to serve all three types of advertising and they're all here in Cannes. Um, it's interesting because um, the last time I saw you in person was four years ago here at Cannes Lions. Oh. And, yeah, <laughs> um, a lot has happened since um, 2019. But, um, you know, uh, it, it was actually um, one, it was maybe actually the most interesting interview, if I might say so, at Cannes last time because um, I interviewed you and Professor Steven Pinker. And we talked a lot about what was the big conversation topic at Cannes then, which was algorithms. And um, Professor Pinker was making the point that you can never have have a bias-free algorithm in his view. So it's all about deciding how you put your thumb on the scale and what biases do you um, decide to have. And now, kind of 2023, as we're speaking, everything everyone wants to talk to me about is AI, AI, AI. Too much? <laughs> <laughs> I feel like um, we need to have a conversation about this and plug it to ChatGPT and see what comes out. But I'm, yeah, I'm obviously interested to hear what you think of this code's recommendation engine. It just, I, I want to know, what have you already been doing in AI and where do you see the roadmap going forward for how automation, machine learning is going to change your business? Yeah, so we've been doing AI, we've been talking about AI, obviously even you and, you and I um, four years ago. So AI has been around, um, the biggest last iteration of AI that is worth mentioning is really the transition from machine learning to deep learning and that was about maybe six or seven years ago. And back then, if you, if you go back in time, there actually weren't many engineers in the world that knew how to code in deep learning, right? Um, and that was back then, it was, you know, Amazon had a few, Google had a few, Facebook had a few, we had less, you know, and that was the beginning. We literally actually started training people because there wasn't even a pool of engineers that knew what deep learning was back then. Fast forward to these days, so what happened? During that time when deep learning was kind of taking place and shaping to be what it, what it is, um, one, I want to remind us, it's a very hard thing to do. So deep learning is not something that um, still I would argue many companies are doing well. Um, and there's a lot of roadmap and innovation on that front. Um, and I always say there's a big difference between machine learning, ML, deep learning, DL, and bullshit, BS, you know, and there's a lot of bullshit. So, 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 so bullshit aside, is this kind of like you ramping up to say you're not doing a lot in AI because we're not there yet? Or what do you say? I think that, you know, we're, we're humble about where we are. I think we are one of the, we're definitely one of the biggest in Israel um, and perhaps one of the top in the world. We, Tabula invests $130 million a year in R&D. We're, we're a fairly sizable company. We're not as big as Google, but we're among the biggest in our space. So we do invest a ton in that. And today, it's part of, our, it's part of everything we do from how advertisers work with us and how we optimize for performance and how publishers um, see recommendations, organic recommendations, which means if you go to CNBC and we surface to you more from CNBC you might like, or you go to The Independent, or you go to BBC, or Le Figaro in France, um, we are serving you editorial recommendations. All of that is driven by deep learning. We're trying to take a very educated guess. Where are you on your readership journey and what you might like? And this is, this is um, it's important because we don't want you to just be more from the same. We want to expand your horizon to kind of like discover things that are outside of the context. You might be reading about Biden but we want you to know there's more things you might like. And we want to look at people that behave like you. 
um, and kind of open your um, horizon into other things. All of that is driven by AI. And the reason I'm saying it's very hard, if you think of from an advertiser point of view, an advertiser comes to Taboola and they say, we're selling flowers. My wife is in the flower business. So she wants to get clients to her flower shop, let's say. And a client is worth $50. And she says, well, I have no idea how to bid on Taboola. I don't know what CPC to put on and I don't know how, what publishers mean. And, but I know I want $50 a client. Can you get me some? And it's magic. It's magic for, to build a company that is looking at the way people interact with content in the open web and say, this person, this person is about to consider buying flowers. And that's not because they're reading about flowers. It's because they'll be reading things, sequence of things that get them to be able to think, this person is in market to buy flowers. So there's a lot of AI to, to create that magic. And all of that is up until generative AI, which you mentioned. That's a whole new chapter. What's new here is, as the name strongly suggests, it's around creating, generating content. We're using it right now with advertisers to help advertisers, big and small, to come up with titles and thumbnails based on previous experience Taboola had. So let's say you're an insurance advertiser and you want to advertise on Taboola. When you open an account on Taboola Ads, which is our ad, ad console, we will say before you start your campaign, if you want, it's an option, it's a free option, we'll say we looked at 100 insurance in, uh, advertisers in the past, we've seen which creatives worked for them, we prompted those creatives into a generative AI engine, and here are 10 new titles you might like. And they get to choose them and launch the campaign, which is really great for them. It saves them time, as well as improves performance. So this is our recent kind of investment in the space. We announced that this is public information. And the next, I, su I suspect, the next big play in generative AI for advertisers will be not only the targeting, not only the titles and thumbnails, but also maybe the entire landing page. So imagine that using generative AI, I can create the website in real time. And maybe suddenly instead of having one website, I have 10,000 websites, a dragon with many, many heads. And that will change completely the way we're thinking about advertising, because no longer will you have a single page that's supposed to work for everyone. You might have um, many, many variations of the same page using that engine. So that's not yet <clears throat> happening, but I think it might happen. Um, and it's, it brings on to content as well. I mean, your business, you know, um, relies on quality publishers and feeding recommendations to serve other content on the back of quality publications. I mean, a lot of the concern um, over generative AI is that it's gonna lead to a long-term degradation of quality journalism, publishing in general um, and concerns over Google Bard for example you know that they're kind of they're able to get behind paywalls even to scrape all the the content that they're using to feed the machine learning engine um, are, you, are you are you worried about the long-term prospects for publishers who you rely on having deals with partnerships with I, I think that um, these machines will not replace um, something that cannot be replaced by machine which is trust so, so when I think about the importance of a publisher in the open web and editors and writers who devote their life to create content and, and consider what is important today, like on their homepage, I, th I think that that has served us humans for uh, 100 years and that will never change. 
doesn't matter if we have good machines, great machines, the best machines. When I wake up in the morning and I need to know, um, I need to trust someone to make decisions that are important to me, um, I need a human element. And I think publishers from that perspective will only be elevated. They might use engines to create some of that content. They might come up with ideas for the creative um, around that content, but I don't think it's replacing them. So if anything, might, it might be helping them be more productive and maybe get more writers. So that's about my opinion about publishers. Advertisers, I think, when you think about the performance landing page, um, I think that's an opportunity to optimize and create better pages that are actually more in line with a, a quality profile and quality policy. Because Taboola, as an example, we have this public policy of what's allowed and what's not. We know our policy very well. We wrote it. If we could generate a page that obviously adheres to that policy, that would be great. A lot of times, advertisers might even not know they're doing something they're not supposed to be doing. So, in fact, I think this is an enabler for advertisers. Now, all of that is um, not unrelated to BARD, which you also mentioned. And I think with BARD, <clears throat> and in general, you know, ChatGPT and BARD and, and all those engines, there's a fundamental question of what's, what is the end result of the relationship between those machines who need um, great content that wants to be part of that machine. If you go back in time in history, Karl Marx said history tends to repeat itself. When Facebook launched Instant Article, do you remember that back in the day? It was, it was a similar idea to Facebook, which is a very good company, very successful. Um, they wanted to host content. So they started crawl content and they did partnerships with publishers. And the idea was, well, it's better for the consumer because it's faster. Which sounds similar, you know, all this generative AI, it's good for the consumer, it's faster. Sounds, sounds similar. But what ended up happening was that Facebook underestimated the importance of making publishers happy, which was making enough money, making sure traf enough traffic is going back so that publishers can have this direct-to-consumer relationship. The New York Times didn't want to give up direct-to-consumer relationship with the New York Times. What the hell were we talking about? You know, so they got out of it. They got into it first. But they got out of it first, too, as well as The Guardian, as well as many, many others. So I think um, if I'm sitting in the, in, the, in the seat of those generative AI engines, I'm asking myself, what can we learn from Facebook instant article case study? How do we not make the same mistake again? And I would celebrate publishers and journalism and make sure that they're winning. Anyway, this you know, unfolds, um, I would make sure that publishers are part of my strategy that I want to make sure they're, they're happy, they're being paid, they're getting traffic, they're getting credit. I want, to, I want to fund the next generation of journalism if I'm them. Now, I'm not sure what they'll do. This is Google, right? So I'm not Google. Um, but I think that's going to be an important pillar of that iteration, whichever way it goes. Yeah. Um, so um, you can maybe hear some noise in the background. So you guys are actually preparing to have your own little party here at Cannes. Um, what, do you, what do you think of the parties? I mean, what's... What's the best time you've had at Cannes? Who who throws the best parties? I don't know. Tabula, of course. Though, you know, if you're not here, you're missing out. It's not really a party. It's you know, it's it's a gathering. Okay. It's a yeah. gathering it of you know, party. it's a you know, gathering of uh, similar-minded you know, great people from the industry. Um, you know, we've we know exactly who's here. This is not like you know, we we everyone that's here registered. Either we invited them or they they reached out to us. So that's someone that we hope to do partnership with one way or another or to learn from. So I think this is a great, um, you know, I spoke earlier about making it personal, being in person. I'm, a, I'm in violent agreement with myself that being in person, building relationships is 
critical. Um, and we should not underestimate, work, you know, working from home is great. Obviously, we learn something interesting about ourselves, but not, in my opinion, to replace kind of, you know, the, um, the in-person opportunity. So, um, so this, what, what this tabula gathering is all about is, um, is exactly that. Yeah. And um, what's, what's, the, what's the best thing that when you're, I imagine you have to do so much work when you come to Cannes, but what, what, what's the, the, the best kind of party you've been to on a, on a boat or um, at a restaurant, whatever, whatever you've seen during your time coming to Cannes? I mean, I, I, I enjoy seeing my team. I enjoy, uh, I enjoy the weather and the ambience and seeing, you know, uh, colleagues of mine such as yourself, um, I don't know what's the best one. To me, the best event is an event that I was able to do something good for Tabula and, or maybe learn something myself. That's the best event. I don't care if it's on the beach, in an apartment, in a restaurant, in a, you know, a crappy coffee shop. It doesn't matter. To, I'm not here for, you know, to, um, to see great boats. So for me, the best event is, is an event that I, that I was able to create something awesome for Tabula and maybe myself. Yeah, and outside of Cannes, I mean, um, where where do people get together? I, I keep hearing, like, no, nobody does it like this, where everyone from all over the world flies into one place. I mean, I think of Advertising Week, you've got CS, your tech ones. Yeah, CS is, I think, I think CS is, you know, at a similar magnitude. Uh, De Mexico in Germany is at a similar magnitude. You're talking 50 to 100,000 people in and, in and out. So we do, I've definitely, I would say for, for Tabula at least, I would say CS, De Mexico, um, can those are big investment. We have 24, 25 people here. Um, and Tabula is a very data-driven company. We would have never done it unless we thought this is positive ROI to Tabula. Um, you know, so, so there are there's some big events that, that we send a lot of people to because we think it's, and we've been doing this for a long time. Those are probably a few of them. Yeah, and finally, um, this is the question I always ask people who um, found businesses or grow businesses into big businesses because there are a lot of people in this industry, up and coming people who want to be entrepreneurial and you know, do maybe achieve what you've done one day. I mean, what, what advice would you have for such people? What's, what's the one piece of advice you would have for budding entrepreneurs out there who want to make it success? I think um, I would ask myself, um, if I told you that um, you would be doing this, your startup, for 10 years and fail, would you still do it? If the answer is yes, because it's worth it, uh, and I'll give you an analogy, my dad is a musician, he plays the guitar, um, and I think uh, I'll compare being a founder entrepreneur to a musician. Because usually, you don't know if you'll ever make money from this. It's completely, you know, um, something you do out of passion, out of love. And you would do it for the rest of your life, even if you, if you knew this will never be anything more than the experience you have just trying. And if the answer is yes, you're, you're exactly where you need to be. Because then you'll figure out the rest, the market, your founding team, uh, the culture that you have to build so that you can do it forever. But if you're not sure, um, then, then maybe that's not the right time for you. Adam Sengold at Tabula, thanks very much for coming to see the Media Leader. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Thank you for listening to the Media Leader podcast. This episode was edited by our production partners, Trisonic. You can find and listen to all our episodes on our website at themedialeader.co.uk or wherever you get your podcasts. But just remember, please do subscribe to be notified when we release our next episode. From all of us at The Media Leader, I'm editor Omar Oaks. Our executive producer is Jack Benjamin. See you next time.